Good evening, everybody. Chair, staff is ready when you are. Wonderful. Good evening and welcome to the October 17th, 2022 Measure U Community Advisory Committee meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish quorum? Thank you, Chair. Members, please unmute and turn on your video. Member Cooney? Here. Thank you. Member Cresswell? Is absent. Member Dickinson? Here. Thank you. Member Gorris? Here. Thank you. Member Kibble? Here. Thank you. Member Mora? Present. Thank you. Member Odo Kent is absent. Member Perez is absent. Member Prey is absent. Member Riviera is absent. Member Sala here. Thank you. Vice Chair Williams. Here. Thank you. Chair Cofer? Present. Thank you. We have a quorum. This meeting is virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you've joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when I confirm the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you're online, you can click raise hand at the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. And if you're calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine. Then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have three minutes to speak once you're called on. We will now proceed to today's agenda. We are gonna start with the land acknowledgement. If you are able, please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nishanan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today and the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I do not see any hands raised for this item. Okay, I'm gonna give people just a few minutes because we jumped into that so quickly. Um, are there any members of the committee who may want to speak on the consent calendar? Okay, seeing none and seeing no hands being raised from our public commenters. Um, do we have a motion and a second for the consent calendar? I move to approve the consent calendar. Okay, it has been so moved by Member Sala. I second, Madam second. Chair. Oh, and I see it has been seconded by Member Gorris. Uh, Madam Clerk, will you please call the roll or call the vote? Yes, thank you, Chair. 
Members, please unmute and turn on your video for roll call vote. Member Cooney? Aye. Thank you. Member Cresswell? Is absent. Member Dickinson? Yes. Thank you. Member Gores? Yes. Thank you. Member Kibble? Yes. Okay, thank you. Member Mora? Yes. Thank you. Member Odo Kent is currently absent. Member Perez is also currently absent. Member Prey is absent. Member Riviera is also absent. Member Sala? Yes. Thank you. Vice Chair Williams? Yes. Thank you. Chair Cofer? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Great. We will now proceed to the discussion calendar. Um, item four is the overview of the update on chapter 2.40 of the city code relating to boards and commissions generally. Is there a staff presentation? Yes, there is. Good evening. I'm Mindy Cuppy, your city clerk. We'll be pulling up a presentation in a moment, but I'll go ahead and get started. So for background, last June, the mayor asked that the Personnel and Public Employees Committee, PNPE, establish oversight, facilitation, and staffing responsibilities for city commissions. So over the past few months, we've put some structural updates in place and continue to move forward with steps to uplift commissions' voices. The first is the foundational municipal code that governs boards and commissions in general. And I think it's important that you understand the underlying code that governs your advisory body. So I think you, I will take you through that at a very high level to brief you on the code. So on August 30th, the City Council approved an update to the City Code Chapter 2.40, which is boards and commissions generally. And again, it's that foundational law governing city boards, commissions, and committees who are appointed by the Mayor or City Council. Um, that code reads that it is the intent of the City Council in enacting this chapter to assure that appointees for seats on boards and commissions possess those high ethical standards required of them to pro properly fulfill their functions, to disclose any conflicts of interest that would render applicants and appointees ineffective in the performance of their duties or which would jeopardize the interests of the city, to protect applicants and appointees against untrue allegations with respect to their background and integrity, and to establish a uniform administrative framework for all city boards and commissions. As you know, commissioners are appointed from within the community and expected to represent the city as a whole while promoting community and stakeholder input and taking into account all viewpoints. Serving as a commissioner provides a way for residents who have special experience or interests to participate in the city's decision-making process by advising city staff and the city council on numerous issues. The specific ro um, role of most commissions is to review and make recommendations to the city council on matters within its scope of authority and responsibility, and this is most commonly achieved by the commission at publicly noticed meetings serving as a venue for public input and participation. So as we continue to uplift commissions to the same expectations, standards, and processes at the City Council, I'm excited to be creating what I will be think will be a model commissions program that other cities will emulate. We will be a model of transparency and inclusiveness. Our commissions will be inclusive with a diversity of voices, be transparent. All activities will be open to the public. They will encourage public participation and then follow consistent, consistent standards such as the Sacramento Sunshine Ordinance and the Brown Act. We will have a clear legislative history of the important work that you do and have a clear and consistent process for commissions to communicate with and advise the council. So I'm going to step you through the provisions of the code. Of course, it's no replacement for reading the code, which is part of your staff report. Okay, so this slide is, um, you've all been through this, um, but I will reiterate at a very high level. So all applicants will submit an application 
And then persons uh, may be recommended by appointment by PNPE, the Personnel and Public Employees Committee, or by the mayor or council member. But again, concurrence of an appointment shall be a vote of the full city council. Um, city employees are ineligible to serve unless appointed in the capacity of their employment. And then for vacancies, we follow the same pro initial appointment process. Okay, failure to attend meetings. I always think it's silly to say this, but we need a quorum in order to conduct a meeting. So without a quorum, a meeting cannot be held. And so failure to attend a meeting without a minimum of four hours advance notice to the city clerk is um, an unexcused absence. And then three consecutive absences um, is deemed good cause for removal. So terms, um, we have created consistent terms again across boards, commissions, and committees. There are a few exceptions. Most are four years and two terms. Um, some of those exceptions are the Ann Land and Bertha Henschel Memorial Fund. They have six-year terms. And then Youth Commission, they have two-year terms typically because they age out for us. Um, limitation on number of consecutive terms. So that is um, limited to two terms. Okay. Um, and there is a provision about partial terms. So removal of members. So each member should comply with the laws or requirements related to the being members in office. Um, and you guys have been through this already, but um, affirming or subscribing to the oath of office, um, filing a statement of economic interest if required by the city's conflict of interest code, and completing training in ethics um, and sexual harassment. And then again, um, failure to do any of these things is deemed could cause for removal from office. So meetings generally, each regular meeting of a city um, boards and commissions shall be noticed. You'll have agendas shall be conducted in accordance with the council rules of procedure. Um, and I note those council rules of procedure are being updated this fall. Um, so you should see that before council soon. Um, if a quorum is not established within 15 minutes of the meeting start time, that meeting will be canceled. Um, and as you know, if it's necessary to call a special meeting for the conduct of business, um, we can work on that. So um, city boards and commissions may not establish ad hoc committees. However, upon approval by the council, they can establish subcommittees as needed. And then um, before, uh, before that is approved, it will go to the PNPE committee and then through council is the process for that. So chairpersons, there is a limitation on terms to two years as chair and or vice chair. Um, and so two year terms for that. Um, this ordinance as, does also state the city clerk shall act as your secretary, the attorney shall be your legal counsel. And then every five years, the city clerk shall report on the status of boards and commissions in general. So in summary, we've done a lot to uplift commissions' voices. However, I think there's still much to do. Over the past year, we've ensured that all commissions follow the same high standards as the city council for agendas, meeting facilitation, legislative history. They mirror the city council standards and processes. We've uh, created a recruitment video, a commissioner handbook, commissioner orientation and onboarding process, and a meeting facilitation guide for chairpersons. Um, however, there's still much to do in order to continue to uplift commissions' voices and ensure inclusivity. So as I mentioned, we're going to be bringing an update of the council rules of procedure to the city council, and it will address, among other things, a standard and consistent process for commissions to report to council, including accomplishments, recommendations, and upcoming year objectives. We wanna to continue to develop ongoing training for commissions and department staff. Next up is an overview of the Brown Act, which I anticipate um, early spring. And then we wanna expand recruitment for all commissions with a focus on diversity and inclusion. So I have a brief video that I'd like to share um, regarding our commissions program, and then I will be available for questions regarding City of Sacramento Code Section 2.40 boards and commissions generally. Serving as a council appointee to a City of Sacramento Commission is both an awesome opportunity and a significant commitment. 
The following information will give new appointees and potential applicants an overview of the position's roles and responsibilities. The City of Sacramento utilizes more than 25 commissions to promote community and stakeholder input. Most serve in an advisory capacity to the City Council. However, a few are quasi-judicial, complaint reviews, or appeals boards. Serving as a council appointee provides a way for residents who have special experience or interests to participate in the city's decision-making process by advising city staff and the city council on a wide variety of issues. As an appointee, you interact creatively as a link between the city council and citizens of all ages, interests, and backgrounds. You represent the city as a whole and will help facilitate active and inclusive input, ensuring that all voices are incorporated into any recommendation made to the City Council. To effectively participate, appointees often have lengthy reports to review in order to prepare effectively for public meetings. Attendance at meetings is essential. The Ralph M. Brown Act, California's Open Meeting Law, and the City of Sacramento's Sunshine Ordinance have requirements to ensure that all city councils, boards, commissions, and committees are inclusive, transparent, and encourage public participation. Agendas must be posted to clearly communicate what the commission will be discussing and how the public can be part of that conversation. The order and conduct of business of council-established commissions are also governed by the City of Sacramento Council Rules of Procedure. It is critical that appointees only discuss items under their purview at an open and public meeting and avoid discussions outside the public forum. A meeting could be any gathering of a majority of appointees to discuss items under their jurisdiction and discussions in non-public formats, such as email, phone, or text message, must be avoided. To ensure transparency and a high level of service, appointees have educational requirements, such as ethics and sexual harassment training. Appointees may also have reporting requirements, such as filing of a Statement of Economic Interests, FPPC Form 700, upon appointment, annually, and when leaving. We appreciate your interest in the City of Sacramento Board, Commission, and Committee Program, an opportunity for citizens to ensure transparent, open, and inclusive participation in the City's decision-making process. Please visit our website for appointee resources and information on applying to serve. Commissions.CityOfSacramento.org Clerk at CityOfSacramento.org 916-808-7200so thank you, Chair and committee members. That concludes my presentation. I'm available for questions. Thank you so much. I um, Let's start with public comment because I see that there is um, someone with a hand up. Again, as a reminder, if you would like to make a public comment on this item, please feel free to raise your hand. Um, seeing as how we don't have that many attendees, I don't think we have to close it once um, comments begin, uh, but I do see we have one. So will the clerk please engage our public commenter? Yes, thank you, Chair. We do have one hand raised from call-in user number one. I'm giving you the ability to speak right now. Yes, this is Lambert Davis and uh, I study uh, every meeting that I can attend to, and I'm, I'm very impressed with what I'm hearing 
from the city clerk because it's imperative now that we understand the Brown Act. I understand it, but it's imperative that you understand the Brown Act and uh, actually Proposition 209 as well. But it's really thorough presentation that keeps me focused on studying what the Brown Act is. When, when I hear diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, those could be uh, those could be what's called trignology, an, an art of deception. I'm interested in what laws uh, make up the Brown Act, because once you study the Brown Act, it doesn't matter what they say after that. It has to be implemented. So that's an outstanding job, City Clerk, for enlightening me on that Brown Act. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Chair, I do not have any other speakers with their hands raised. Okay, then we will move on to comments from members of the committee. And I see Member Gorris. Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, thank you, Ms. Cuppy, for the presentation. It was really, really informative and it, was, uh, it, it really helped as a commissioner. So my question is just for clarity. Um, we're absent if a commissioner needs to uh, have an excuse absence. Um, it says that it's we have to notify the clerk's office. Would notifying our chair also fulfill the the, the threshold within the uh, before four hours? No, the code actually says you have to notify the city clerk. Okay, so thank the, you. The most appropriate we would be to um, email commissions at cityofsacramento.org. Great, thank you so much. Oh, and one other last question. I'm sorry, Madam Chair. Um, I saw in the presentation, too, that there's going to be handbooks. When will those handbooks be available? Those are online. Um, I believe I emailed them to the commissioners a couple months back, but I can I can follow up and send that to you again. Great. Yeah, it could have went, went into my spam folder. So, yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Next, I see Vice Chair Williams. Yes, thank you. Um, thank you again for the presentation. Um, I have two questions. The video you just showed, was that is that for the public's viewing? Yes, it is. It's also on my website where the handbook is. Is it available in other languages or is it just in English? It's just in English. And um, we I've tried it with Google Translate, but please, you know, do take a look at that and let me know if there's any concerns. Okay, thank you. And second question is, um, you mentioned, it says uh, about established, being able to establish subcommittees um, with council approval. Is there a time frame in which that is, you know, once that request is made, I'm concerned about um, work being halted at commission levels because of the process taking too long for a subcommittee to get approved. So is there a time frame as to when you ask for approval, when you'll be notified of that? Yeah, thank you for that question. So I'm working on that process um, with the city council. That's part of the update to the council rules of procedure that I expect to get them to November at the latest. Okay. Or All right. Thank you. That was it. Thank you. Um, Member Dickinson. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the presentation and uh, providing the, um, uh, the policy in our agenda packet. I appreciate that. Um, I'm somewhat confused about the role of personnel and public employees in this. It, it the language 2.40.050 can at least i can interpret it to say that 
that it's not discretionary for PP&E to um, be involved in the, in the appointee, but only if uh, I, I just don't understand. It's, it's circular, especially item C. So the municipal code does state that it needs to go to um, PNPE, which is the Personnel and Public Employees Committee, for them to deliberate, and they will make a recommendation to the full city council. But it is the full city council that would approve such a said committee. Okay. Well, that's not how it reads in this. It reads that the um, that the council is it's discretionary for the council to to refer to PPNE. Um, it's so it just it's very confusing to me thank you i'll review that code yeah i mean it i the for me the logical thing to say um is that um under section a concurrence in an appointment uh shall be by vote of city council um following um review and recommendation by pp and e thank you Right now, um, item C makes it appear that it's conditional that PP&E is involved. Are you referring to committee member appointments? Or are you referring to um, subcommittee rec recommendations? No, I'm referring to um, concurrence and appointments to boards and commissions, section 2.40.050. Okay, I can speak to that. So there are some um, some seats on commissions that it's a recommendation from PNPE. There are some seats on commissions, committees, and boards that are recommended recommended by a city council member. And so the ones that are recommended by PNPE, um, it they do it is a recommendation from PNPE, but then confirmed by the for, full city council. Mm -hmm. They're all mayor mayor appointments. But every everyone, whether it's a it's a recommendation from the city council, from the mayor, or from PNPE, those do need to go to city council for um, approval from the full council. That's that's somewhat helpful, but it's not clear in what this says. I, I think some um, clarification that there are different kinds of appointees, and and it, from what you're saying, it sounds like some appointees don't necessarily go through PPNE. That's correct. Some do not. Yeah, well, that this is this is just not clear on that process to me. Thank you, um, Member Sala. Yes, thank you. I do have a couple questions. One is, I just want to make sure because I, it's a little confusing because I listened to the whole discussion of the City Council and then you. Kind of have stated it and we've had various various discussions so i i get that we can't meet um if there's a majority there's no it all has to be um an agendized etc but but what i heard at the city council was that if it's less than a majority and let's say there's a group of us that want to go to fox and goose for breakfast and have a discussion <laughs> And have a discussion um, about something related to Measure U. As long as it's less than a majority, that's okay. And we can't have an agenda. 
We can't take minutes, but we can still have a discussion as long as it's less than a majority. Is that, is that, am I understanding that correctly? You are understanding that correctly. A less than a quorum can meet. Um, okay. However, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, we're going to come back with a training on Brown Act, um, which will talk about you know, what you can and cannot do. Um, for instance, um, a quorum, even if it's by text message, um, if you communicate even with a quorum via text message, by email, that could be a Brown Act violation. So um, it's, not, it's not a yes or no answer. So um, I am collaborating with the city attorney's office and we hope to bring back um, in January at the latest February, uh, a presentation on the Brown Act so that everyone understands all the nuances. Okay. And then my last question is, and what's not clear and it, it continues to not be very clear for us. So when measure you, makes a recommendation. Um, sometimes we, we can follow it and track it to um, whether that recommendation was adopted, not adopted by the city council and that we're at, and sometimes we're asked to do a formal presentation on our recommendation, sometimes we're not. So is that gonna be um, a lot? For me, it's unclear because it doesn't seem to be consistent. Will that be, rectified yes absolutely. how recommended yeah yeah so that's that's what we're going to, um we're proposing to put in the council rules of procedure is a very clear process for commissions to report to council okay so clear and consistent okay, so every commission is the same okay great thank you okay um i see member dickinson yes uh thank you uh, and pending these additional actions that are um, going to come before the council, are we subject to having to shut down? We, as you know, we have had a very active um, ad hoc committee structure that enables us to move the work um, on behalf of the um, council and the community forward, are we uh, able to continue that function until more clarity is provided or are we shut down? What, what's the status? So the municipal code does prohibit ad hocs. However, the council members did state that it's acceptable for those ad hocs to continue until the end of this calendar year. Thank you. Member Mora. Thanks. Thank you. I think this is great. I, I just have one clarifying question too. And it's just related to enforcing the policy. So for any part of the policy, is it the board's, is it this committee's um, responsibility to enforce the policy as well? Like, so, you know, taking any, any um, requirement that's asked of the board of the committee members, um, is that something that the, you know, city staff will, will make recommendations, um, you know, for the committee to, to act upon, or is it upon, or, or does the onus lie with committee members to, to take note and, um, you know, and, and kind of make those motions and meetings? Like what I'm referring to, you know, like taking um, like punitive measures, is that, does that onus lie with the committee itself? 
So you are, um, so the municipal code is a law of the city. Um, so this, it, it is important that you understand it. That's why I'm presenting to all of our boards, commissions, and committees. Um, I also like to point out that um, we do have an ethics commission. So if uh, one of our, one of the committee members did violate um, one of our city um, ordinances, um, a, a complaint could be filed against you um, with the ethics commission. So I think it is important to understand those, but um, it is imperative that you understand the code, um, but we'll also, staff will be helpful, you know, be, be here to guide you. I don't see any other um, members with hand up. Um, thank you so much for your presentation. Um, I wanted to kind of make a comment slash question. Um, there was a correspondence that came from Assistant um, City Manager Mike Yasso uh, earlier, uh, I think, I can't remember if it was yesterday or earlier today, um, indicating that uh, we voted at our September 19th meeting to, um, to submit uh, a request for subcommittees to be established uh, by January 1st because uh, the ad hocs are set to expire on December 31st. And we received correspondence back um, earlier that uh, the city is unable to move forward with our subcommittee request by that date. Um, so I made a request to, I, I asked um, the city clerk if um, she was going to make a request to extend the ad hoc date, expiration date beyond December 31st, since city staff are not able to have the new process up and running by then. She said she was not planning to do that. So I reached out to the mayor and city manager um, earlier today to request that they agendize extending the ad hoc expiration date until such a time as the new subcommittee structure is up. Um, and I would say, especially given that we've already submitted our, um, our request until ours can be <laughs> can receive a response, um, because otherwise we're going to have a, an interruption of our ability to conduct our, um, our business. And so I just wanted the members of this committee to be aware that that correspondence did take place earlier today. Um, I have not heard back from the mayor or the city manager um, yet, so I don't know if that will be agendized, but um, it, it's just kind of a gap in the like, you know, you're not going to meet the deadline, so then we need to extend the thing, um, and there were no plans to do so. So um, we have taken it upon ourselves to make that request of them, um, since it does directly impact us. Um, uh, and and then, um, Ms. Cuppy, I you did mention that there's going to be an update to the council rules of procedure. Um, I know that several representatives of this body, as well as the other boards, committees, and commissions across the city um, met and met with you as well um, two years ago to provide some changes to the council rules of procedure. I don't think they've been updated since. Um, are some of our recommendations reflected in that? I know we had um, some recommendations for how, to member Sala's point, um, how a communication between us and the council could be handled. Um, right now, there's like a stop gap of communication where it's difficult to be able to um, get in contact with members of other boards, committees, and commissions, even when our work overlaps and we have to go through city staff. Um, and it, it can sometimes even be hard to um, identify, you know, who exactly is on what um, committee if there's outdated information. So just wanting to find out if some of our recommendations from two years ago were going to be considered as part of that update. Yes, um, your recommendations were considered as part of that recommended update. Um, and I expect council to deliberate hopefully early November on that so that we can move forward with a process for council or for commissions committees to consistently report to the council. 
that sounds wonderful. Um, like I said, I, we really appreciated you being willing to come and meet with um, that body and to take our recommendations. And I know it's been a really slow moving process. So glad to see it finally coming up for um, consideration all this time later um, and hoping that we'll be able to move forward with that. Um, are there any other questions from committee members? Okay. Thank you so much for your, oh, wait, I see member Dickinson. Yes, um, Chair Kofor, I'm wondering whether we might want to consider formalizing our request um, that the ad hoc committee structures be um, allowed to continue until such time as um, not only has the process for subcommittees been established, but when requested subcommittees have been approved. Yes, um, I, I think that makes sense. Um, and so that that was the request um, that they make an extension of the, the expiration date. Um, I think, I think, you know, my editorial comment is I think the city bit off more than it can chew and I don't think they're going to actually be able to staff the subcommittees that are going to be requested. And so it's going to put a real damper on our ability to do work. Um, I am <laughs> questioning if that might have been the purpose since, um, you know, I, I think some of this was kind of targeted at the police commission um, because they were a little too productive and uh, their recommendations were being ignored and it was creating some political backlash. So that's my editorial comment um, that I think we're all being caught up in what was a political maneuver to slow down some of the progress and to quiet down some of the work that's happening. Um, what I can say is that um, technically our ad hocs, um, the only thing about them that is um, not allowed to continue is that we can't formally establish them during this meeting. But they already were less than a quorum. Um, and the, the council has groups of people that get together apparently at Fox and Goose since that was recommended, re referenced so many times. And they talk about things, they call them Brown Act bubbles. So, um, and they establish those during their meetings. So until city, um, you know, until our, our city attorneys say that they're not allowed to establish Brown Act bubbles, I think we call them Brown Act bubbles and continue to do exactly what we're doing right now because the whole thing was quite silly. I think council member Valenzuela made some really reasonable um, uh, amendments that were not taken. Um, and so we're left with this whole subcommittee structure that they're not even up and running with at the time that they said they were going to. So um, as of January 1st, if we don't hear back from them, call your ad hoc committees Brown Act bubbles and move on with your lives. Because they're the exact same thing, except now you just won't be aware who's in who's Brown Act bubble because in the interest of transparency. Um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very, you want to talk about illogical, it's like a logical loop. Um, but here we are. So that's what the council has decided to do against the League of Women Voters and all of the committees and commissions that spoke out about it. So um, we're stuck in this weird thing where to be transparent, nobody can know who anybody's talking to. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think in terms of formally, you know, how it impacts our work, I think you can still continue to do that. You just can't say here that it's an ad hoc, you have to call it a Brown Act bubble. Um, and you can do that during committee member comments. Um, and I appreciate that um, and the, the, the additional insight um, and yet still wonder whether we wanna put 
uh, I mean, and I, I know that your communication with the mayor and the um, city manager will be clear, but whether you, we want to put um, a fine point on this on behalf of the whole committee that unless and until the city figures out how to create subcommittees, we intend to move forward as advised with some extra curricular conversations in order to do our work. Yeah, I mean, I think we can certainly do that. Um, yeah, I think your suggestion is a fine one. And I, I think that point was communicated in the email, um, but I can certainly follow up to make sure that it's really clear. I mean, we were told on the record multiple times that meeting at 8 a.m. at Fox and Goose with our Brown Act bubble was more than allowed. We just couldn't, we couldn't formally call it an ad hoc committee and it couldn't be appointed by the chair. I know I, I tried to make it make sense as well. So that's, that's where we are. Um, so if, you, if you're wondering why it doesn't make sense, well, here we are. Because it doesn't um, make sense. But, it doesn't uh, make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but um, we doubled down on that. So here's where we are. So um, are there any other comments on this item? Okay, um, this item was a receive and file. So um, thank you so much to the clerk for your presentation. Um, and yes, the the, uh, the video that the clerk shared um, as well as the um, packet are on the city's website. Um, so that will be shared with um, all the members again after the meeting. Thank you again. Okay. Um, so then that moves us now to item five, which is the participatory budgeting pilot program implementation update. Um, is there a staff presentation, Ash? Um, no presentation from staff. I'll kind of defer to the ad hoc committee on participatory budgeting to kind of open this up. Um, but I did want to follow up maybe later in the discussion to get some feedback on the process to select the implementing organizations. So maybe if we can circle back on that after the general update from the ad hoc committee. Okay, sounds great. Actually, Michael Kusak is here to give an update from PBP. Okay. Great. Welcome, Michael. everyone. Good to see you all. Good evening. Um, I was asked to join this meeting to, to give a brief update on the upcoming vote for the PB Sacramento process. Um, so I'm really delighted to announce that voting has, has commenced, has kicked off um, for the north and south ballot areas um, and will proceed through the end of the month. Outreach is being conducted by six community-based organizations um, rooted in those areas. In the north, that is the Roberts Family Development Center and the Stan Stanford Settlement Neighborhood Center. In the south, that is Asian Resources and Bridge Network. And citywide or across those two areas, we have both Sacramento Act and Child Action supporting outreach. But I'm also here because we could use additional help um, getting the word out and getting folks engaged for the vote so that they can have the opportunity to participate 
so that they can determine what projects should be funded in their communities. Um, and the help we could use is in conducting outreach. So if you're interested in supporting outreach by getting together a house meeting, by spreading the word in your existing networks or at um, community centers that you're involved in, um, let us know. We can provide resources, materials, support, and training to um, help you facilitate that outreach. So you can reach out to ad, uh, com committee members, commission members, or ASH, and we'll connect you with those resources. That's the, that's the update. That's the announcement. Um, ad hoc members, anything else you'd like me to touch on while I'm here? Is there a link that you could share with people so that they could see what the ballots look like uh, in their spare time? Yes, I'm not sure I have access to the chat. I don't know if I should send those to you, Ash. I can um, just say the really the best way is the city's uh, landing page. So it's just cityofsacramento.org slash PB. If you go there, you can then access um, the individual ballots. And we're really wanting to direct people to that page because at least I'm personally a little nervous about sending the links out to the ballots without the context about the eligibility, meaning you need to live in the focus area that you're voting for and to be at least 14 years of age or older. And so that landing page really is designed to provide that context before somebody accesses the ballot. Um, but it's also just an easy URL to remember, cityofsacramento.org slash PB, and you can get to the ballots that way. Um, Michael, is are there ways that um, our committee can be helpful in terms of um, helping to spread the word? Are there any activities that are going to be taking place and things that we should put on our calendars for the voting period? Absolutely. So at that same website that Ash mentioned, there will be a running list of standing voting sites, as well as an, a continually updated list of specific events and activities, um, mostly those that are being conducted by those community-based organizations that I mentioned earlier. So one, one way of supporting outreach is to point folks to those events and activities to actually support them by helping you know, staff those events and activities, um, or as I mentioned earlier, by um, facilitating additional ones that we can then add to that calendar so that folks can access it and know um, when and where to participate in the vote. Good. Thank you. I'm sure, Cooper. Um, I see Member Sala. Thank you. I don't have a question, but I have a statement. And, and I know some of you have heard some of this already. Um, so I'll just start. I, I feel very strongly that while I know the process, it was very specific and there was a specific process that, but hindsight now seeing everything and the outcome where Garland really doesn't have an idea for the people of Gardenland to vote on. Kind of quasi with the cleanup one, kind of mentions Gardenland. Um, hindsight, I'm now looking and thinking, I've been thinking about this for, for, for a little bit of time. And, and 
GNNA and myself take personal responsibility for not doing a better job of really encouraging members of Garnland to apply to be a delegate. It just slipped my mind. I didn't have it on my radar. And I, and I personally and GNNA didn't do a sufficient outreach to get more gar delegates from Garnland. So, and that resulted in one delegate from Garland. While she did her best that she could, um, and I, and when she finally reached out to me, I spent many hours trying to assist her the best that I could, but I had to be careful with that fine line, and I couldn't attend any of the discussions or couldn't vote, and I realized that she needed help and support with another delegate from Garland. And I wish that the contractor at that time, you, Michael, and whoever else would have looked at that and reached out other than just to, you know, I don't know, when you looked at the pool of delegates and said, we need a little more diversity in neighborhoods, not race and ethnicity, but of neighborhoods to be delegates. Um, reached out to either myself because I represent that area or GNN or some of the community organizations and say, we need to, because I don't even think they had a representative from Strawberry Manor. Um, hey, we need a little more diversity in the in delegates that live in those neighborhoods. Um, it would have alerted me to go out and, and try to get additional delegates that might represent those neighborhoods. So because of that, I feel that um, the, the the selection and and the delegates was inequitable, and and there was an imbalance of representation from District Two in delegates. They did a good job. I applaud them. They were great. They they did their job, and. Um, and so that resulted in a large amount of representations, or not large, but more representatives from that, from District 2 than from Garnland. And um, our representative, she did the best she could. And she um, just was outvoiced. And she, Anyway, so the end the end result is that really there's no idea that the Garland community would feel they want to vote for. Maybe they'll vote for some because they're you know the for mainly what's Del Paso Heights District Two. There's some great idea. I really like those ideas and they're great and they're worthy of considering and voting for them. But already I've heard feedback. Yeah. Hey, where's Garnland? Other than what, what seems to be the cleanup, which, by the way, the city is giving money to do cleanup, and we're already applying for that. There is no clear um, idea for Garnland, and I've already heard that. Where is that? And I've had to explain the process, and, and this is what came out of that process. So I just hope, I mean, it is work, it is what it is and it's our reality and we're gonna move forward. I just hope that 
this is documented and that this does not get repeated so that if, if we're saying we want neighborhoods to benefit from this, we need to ensure that there's an equitable representation of all neighborhoods in, in this process. And I don't feel that's what happened. And now we have what we have in, in front of us. And, and, and Michael, when you first asked, hey, are you willing you know, come and help and get the vote out? Well, I, I am hesitant about that because at the moment I open it up and say, hey, that's the first thing they're gonna say, well, where's Gardenland's ideas? And I have to explain that. So, so there will be, uh, I know Stanford Settlement um, is, is our community-based organization and they will do their part in trying to get the vote out. And I, I will, I know that we have, Jen and A has several events and I will, I don't know if you guys have a flyer that indicates the, we're voting, this, these are the options, go here on this web, something that I can put on our table because we're, there's several things that we're doing that we can have and we can talk about that, but I'm not, I'm not sure that I would want to hold a house meeting in my home and, and do that extensively on outreach, but I'm happy to get the flyers out um, because remember a lot of people don't easily access the internet or go into their emails. And and so a flyer is always um, good and it will help us just alert the community. This is happening. Here's where you can go to the um, city website and just follow the instructions and go ahead and vote or you can go to Stanford Settlement and, and vote there. So that's, that's it. That's all I have. Thank you so much, Member Sala. I just wanted to take a moment to really respect that. Um, Michael, was there anything that you wanted to say in response to Member Sala or anyone from the committee? I see your hand, Kim, so happy if, for you to respond if you'd like. I'll just quickly say that uh, Member Sala, I really appreciate your, your feedback and um, regret that you feel this way and, and certainly can say that we are evaluating this process. Um, we are learning from this process. We can do better in the future and figuring out how to build equitable representation into this process is a, an incredibly tricky thing and something that I think we can certainly do better in the future. Um, and so I think this experience that you're speaking to and lifting up will be really critical to figuring out how we can make sure that um, community members who are involved in the focus area for a process do have um, projects to, to vote on that, that would benefit them in their community. So um, just want to say that I hear you and, and really appreciate your feedback there. And I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Kim. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you, Member Sal. I appreciate um, you sharing um, that this evening. Um, you know, what you shared, we've been having at the committee level, <laughs> lots of conversations about, um, you know, and we've, we've said this from the beginning, we, you know, it's kind of like almost our lead in mantra. It's a pilot. Um, however, um, we recognize to this, what's so important about this process is it, it is, it is a community process and it's an opportunity for a community to have a say and have a voice in, in things that happen. So we take that extremely serious. And so, 
um, knowing that you know there were some missteps and things mistakes that we may have made that we we've made along the way, um, as Michael said, really trying to fix those things so that as we move forward, we don't have the same kind. Like we may make other problems, make other mistakes in the future, but we won't make the same ones. And I think it's important that we all understand, um, you know, how important it is for us to help encourage residents to participate in the process. Even though I know I recognize that there's not a, you know, a large project in garden land is if we can get folks to still participate because it, the crux is, is going to be important for folks to see how it works, because if they see how it works and says, oh, well, shoot, next time we're going to make sure we're represented. We're going to make sure we get ideas in. We're going to make sure we vote because they've now seen how it can work and how this can really benefit their community. So we can also use this as an opportunity to learn and teach our communities too, our residents how important it is for them to be involved so um, again I appreciate you sharing that and um, you know the the folks who worked on this project um, and the, the the staff who really tried to lead the delegates through the process um, you know really trying to make sure that it was as equitable as possible even though recognizing that there were some areas that did not get um, the kind of representation that we know they should have um, we also know that this is a learning opportunity for us to make sure that we don't let those kind of things happen again so thank you for sharing that thank you Vice Williams Member Sala. Yeah, thank, thank you, um, Member Reynolds, for, for bringing that up and reminding me to mention this. So the delegate from Garnerland, she typically, she, she's lived in Garnerland for like 40 years. She's well-known and well-respected because of that. But she typically volunteer for a lot of things. And she's she's more quiet. Um, and this process, I've seen her grow through this process. She is um, more involved. She has more understanding of how things work, and she's becoming a different. She's more outspoken, and I I that has been really very good, and I've enjoyed watching how she's changing because of this process. So yes, while I, on one hand, I'm, I'm saying, you know, that there could have been more diversity. On the other hand, I'm also seeing the benefit of someone who's not a typical person that, get, that volunteer for things and get involved with what the city's doing. She has truly benefited from being involved because I've seen, I've seen her transforming and learning and getting excited about things. So yes, you're absolutely right that that is the benefit. And and um, I hope that the next time we have more and that we really do look to get community members such as herself involved as a delegate and not not people who are who are used to who who know how to interface with the city council who know how things work and who are always volunteering uh, because. It, one, you get to really hear the voice of the community, but she has truly benefited and it is beginning. She's changing through, she has changed from the beginning into where she's at right now. And then I forgot to ask one more question. Michael, I'm not sure. When, what is the total amount that each delegate is going to be paid at the end of this when they're done? Do you have a sense? I actually don't have the number off the top of my head, but I can make sure to get that to you. 
Okay, that would be great. Thank you. I see no more speakers from the committee, but I do see that we have two members of the public who would like to make a comment. So will the clerk please um, engage our public commenters? Yes, thank you, Chair. The first call-in speaker I have is calling user number one, Mr. Lambert. I am giving you the option to speak right now. Yes, this is Lambert, and I, I want you to make sure you let me know about my three minutes because I'm going to need every second of this. Um, this summer, I attended four different meetings in District 2, four different meetings, and it should have been five, but the uh, but ironically, the P-bid in District 2, Del Paso Boulevard Partnership, they canceled twice. Me, personally, I don't think they should get a, a penny of this money in District 2 because if they didn't do the outreach, they shouldn't get a penny. As a person who studied this this summer, I, got, I organized family and friends. Some of them have been in Del Paso Heights and Strawberry Manors for over 50-plus years. My family moved here in 1946. And so as I studied this, I noticed that all of the people that I invited that had been in the neighborhoods I just mentioned for decades, we weren't selected as delegates. And so therefore, we were kept out of the loop of the process. And I disagree that what just happened was a pilot. If you have a P-bid in your district, and some of you need to really get familiar with what a P-bid is. Because if a P-bid is in your district, there's no such thing as a pilot. You shouldn't have to be taught. Where I come from, we were taught in elementary school that if you study too long, you're studying wrong. That this is a situation that I studied dramatically. I heard Strawberry Manor mentioned. I saw some wonderful people that were at from Strawberry Manor that were at the Robertson Center at one of the outreaches, and I know because we volunteered cheesecakes there. And I, I was stunned if they weren't picked. Uh, Phyllis and her mother, her mother's been in, De in Strawberry Manor for decades. So you have to really understand what just happened. When you don't select people who have been in the district for longer than some of you have been in this city for delegates, and then you keep us uh, out of the loop, then you hear what Masala just said. You know, we are vocal. We're not quiet. Our parents have been paying property taxes before some of you were born. So we want to see Del Paso Heights get some of that money, and we want to see um, Strawberry Manor get some, and we, we're going to protest if uh, uh, PBID gets a penny because they canceled both outreaches and Ragani should know that if he doesn't know it tonight. That's a uh, shout-out to the Robertson Center, shout-out to the Hmong Community Center, and shout-out to the Roberts family. They showed integrity and uh, incredible, and that's when I met Keone Bliss while I was out there, too, a person of integrity. But that will be protested depending on how they spend that money. And I wanted everyone to know that. But this is not a pilot to me. There's P-bids. P 
T-bid should have guided the pilot. Otherwise, it was a it was a ruse. And you can't get a ruse past somebody like me. So we will be Thank studying you. how this money is spent and where it's spent. Thank, Thank you for you. your comment. Chair, the next speaker I have is Mr. Barry Boyd. Thank you and good evening. Um, under the weather, so my voice isn't what it usually sounds like. I just want to make sure if I heard Michael Kuzak state that this is the soft rollout voting, or is it in fact the actual voting? In either account, the Southeast proposal delegates were to be a part of constructing the actual ballot to which none of us have been, have were invited to be a part of as in agreement with the MOU, the first MOU and the second MOU provided to us by Cristania De Leon of PBP. Our proposal delegates final meeting per Cristania De Leon on September 12th, 2022 and she stated, we have met all targets and all Southeast proposal delegates will be receiving their remuneration within 30 days. Again, that was September 12th. You look at your calendar. But the most important thing here is we were not a part of the assemblage of the voting ballot into which our delegates made intimately clear that there will be no pictures on on the ballot for the southeast i have not seen ballots there may not be any and this may be a moot point if there are pictures on that that is contrary to what we the delegates all voted unanimous, unanimously for the process that we delegates have gone through is PBP. Again, I'm, it's a pilot. I've been in corporate America and worked on pilots. And there's nothing big, no big deal. I've, this process, wow. There, in fact, I had shared uh, an email with Chair Kofer in regards to uh, jumping back remuneration, which she has privilege to. My point being, if the process is in a, well, it is going, and it's going without the involvement of any Southeast proposal delegate, any involvement, invo involvement in the structuring of the Southeast ballot. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Chair, I have no other speakers with their hands raised for this item. Okay. Um, thank you to our public commenters. Um, 
to Mr. Davis, um, just wanted to really clarify that when we're talking about this being a pilot, it is because this is the first time that the city of Sacramento has engaged in this specific work around participatory budgeting. Um, it is not to say that there's not a thriving business community um, and that there are not business improvement districts all over the city because they cer there certainly are, but this was an opportunity for community members to come together and to recommend projects for um, two specific geographic regions in the city um, and for then community members ages 14 and up to vote on those. So I just wanted to be clear about what we're what we mean when we say pilot, because um, I don't know if we've actually addressed your comments directly in the past when you've made them, but I just wanted to make sure that you were aware of the language and how we're using it here, because I know that can be very confusing. Um, and uh, to Mr. Boyd, thank you so much for raising the issues. I wanted to see if um, anyone wanted to um, address some of the, the questions around when people will be paid, um, because I am not sure the answer to that. I have not been um, involved in that part of the process. I'm not aware off the top of my head of the expected timing for the receipt of stipends, but I'll circle back with our operations team and, and follow up with, with Barry and others. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Really appreciate it. Are there any other comments on this item? Would now be a good time to um, discuss implementation. Great. So yes. as we talked about last month and as the committee voted, um, there's going to be a secondary selection process based on decisions to decide who's going to implement the winning projects. So once the vote has concluded on October 31st, we'll have the list of winning projects that will be funded. Many, uh, I should say, even say most of those projects will need implementing organizations uh, due to the nature of the projects that are described. Uh, most of them would not be directly implemented by the city. And so the decision that was made by this committee uh, based on input from the proposal delegates is that there would be a review panel that consists of an equal number of proposal delegates and Measure U committee members um, that would then make these decisions uh, by evaluating the responses that we receive to the solicitation that the city puts out. So this little solicitation, we haven't nailed that down specifically what that's gonna look like, but it's typically referred to as an RFP or request for proposals. Um, or a call for applications. So the city will kind of make that announcement, will give folks plenty of time, provide some technical assistance to make sure everybody who's interested in responding to that call for applications is able to submit their interest. And then this review panel um, would be involved both in kind of developing that process, meaning the document that, that we publish and kind of how things are described um, as well as actually directly selecting who is gonna be funded through that process. And so really this is kind of uh, the opportunity for to kind of propose like, if we have more interest from both Measure U committee members and proposal delegates as we have seats available on this uh, review panel, um, we need some criteria to prioritize who will actually serve 
And so the criteria we've come up with and wanted to run this by the group, um, didn't have a chance to run this by the ad hoc committee earlier today. So really looking for everybody's input on this is number one, um, having a preference for folks who actually live within the focus areas. Number two, um, those who have limited civic engagement experience. So almost similar to um, the, the story that uh, member Sala gave about how a certain proposal delegate had really grown through this process. We're really looking for those types of opportunities. So drawing a preference towards uh, folks who have limited experience and could get some value out of this process. And then number three, um, this will be more of a balance of North and South projects. So once we have figured out, you know, um, how many wing projects are in the North, how many are in the South and what's the balance, um, we want to kind of have that be the deciding factor for kind of other panelists who would serve on this panel. So wanted to share those criteria with you, see if you had any feedback for it. Um, I think after this meeting, um, probably later this week, I'll be following up with an email to just get initial interest from the full Measure U committee to see who is interested in serving on this review panel. And again, we would use these criteria, uh, primary residence within the focus area, limited civic engagement experience, and then proportional focus area representation. So um, wanted to see if anybody has any feedback on that. Um, otherwise, we'll, we'll kind of move forward with that approach and, and be following up to see if you're interested in serving. Thank you so much, Ash. We really appreciate um, that. I see, looks like we have member follow, look like she wanted to raise her hand. Okay. Are there any questions about implementation for Ash? And I know we have some members of our committee who weren't able to join us this evening. Um, so um, Ash, would you be able to send a follow-up email to everyone just kind of recapping what you just shared with us? Um, because I know there were a few people who reached out before the meeting and said they were unable to attend. Yes, absolutely. Okay, um, I think we have come to the end of this item and this was um, a receive and file. So we don't have to take a vote on this. Um, so we can now move on to the next item on the agenda, which is ad hoc committee updates. Um, we just heard from the participatory budgeting implementation ad hoc. Um, so the next is the spending oversight and budget development um, ad hoc member Dickinson. Uh, thank you. Um, some of us received a note from Ash that our report will be before the council's um, uh, budget committee on um, November 1st. And Chair Kofer, I wanted to check with you if you um, want to present on our behalf and whether you want other members of the committee to join you. That was exactly what was on the agenda for today. So um, we have, uh, that meeting is at three o'clock on um, Tuesday, November 1st. 
So um, it would be fantastic to have other members of the entire committee, but especially um, the Spending Oversight and Budget Development Committee to be able to attend. Um, we have not, we kind of took the month off um, after we got in our annual report and also did budget stuff. So um, we have not had a meeting since our last uh, um, committee meeting. Um, so we should likely get together and talk about what we may want to present um, and the development of any slides that we will want to share. Um, so Ash has asked if any of us would like to attend to please let him know so that he can make sure that we have we're on the you know attendee list and can get promoted to panelists if we would like to add anything. Um, so are there any members of that um, ad hoc who um, would be available to attend on Tuesday, November 1st at 3 p.m.? Yes, I will be. I will be. Okay, I see member Sala and member Dickinson. I know member Prey was unable to attend today um, due to some unforeseen circumstances. So we will check in with member Prey um, anyone else from that ad hoc interested in attending or available also, <laughs> not just interested, but also available. I, I think Teresa's on the ad hoc and she's not here. Yes, Teresa is also on the ad hoc and is not here. So, um, we will, uh, make sure that we reach out to both, uh, member Riviera and member Prey. Um, and then I forgot to actually make, um, the announcement during, um, item three, um, earlier today, but member Cooney, um, is also going to spend some time on this ad hoc with us. It will be somewhat short-lived because we only have, um, two more months <laughs> left at this point of having ad hocs. Um, but hopefully, uh, Member Cooney will be able to stay in the Brown Act bubble known as uh, the Spending Oversight and Budget Development bubble um, in, in 2023 um, so that this work can certainly continue. And I'm also happy to help with the development of any slides or presentations uh, for that meeting. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Member Cooney. Those are our updates. So we will, um, this group will huddle up and um, identify some time to uh, to work on that. Um, and are there any other updates from any members of the ad hoc? Okay, um, the next is marketing and communications ad hoc. Is there an update? Yes, I'll go ahead and, and give a brief update. Um, and I'm, I'm, I apologize to the committee members that I did not put this in an email to all of you. I just have too many things on my plate, um, as I'm sure all of you do as well. It's a hectic time right now. Um, so last at last Measure U, we reported about how many individuals were interested in participating in focus groups about Measure U and being able to comment before we, we start identifying funding priorities for Measure U uh, resources. And I actually misspoke. I thought there was 52. There was actually like over 150 <laughs> that responded that they wanted to participate in focus groups. So I had a discussion with Ash and we really, in order to be able to hold these focus groups and get feedback from them before we start 
discussing uh, the budget for 22-23, um, we need to have these focus groups and they um, need to be brought, we shouldn't have focus groups that are larger than 25. And um, so that means we have to have several, I would say four or five maximum focus groups probably should start in mid-January holding these. Uh, we, you know, the cost of where we're going to have them won't be an issue because we can use a city, city rooms or we're going to do them virtual. Preference, my preference is when you have, I guess, their focus groups or listening sessions is, is in person for all the obvious reasons. So um, the other thing to consider, and I don't know if this needs to be agendized or um, the other things to consider is that we need resources to do these focus groups. So we should be, we should have, an, so anyone who participates, even, you know, I, I guess it would be like an hour or two hours worth of their time that they'd be giving a gift card of $20 or $25, $20. Um, there should be, I think we can facilitate um, facilitation isn't isn't as intensive facilitate the discussion but we would need a note taker on whether that needs to be someone we compensate that's and that takes a little more work than facilitating and and so there's resources that would be needed to do these focus groups and I think the questions we can develop relatively easy because um, we would, I mean, we already know kind of, and we have experience and that's not gonna take a lot. My, our main discussion, my main concern is if we're gonna do this, it's gonna require resources to do it effectively. And if we're not gonna have, if we are gonna, the, the expectation is to do it for free, it's not gonna be that meaningful. So I, um, so I'm just putting that out there and I don't know whether there are ad hoc, then we need to proceed with getting a, a, a more detailed plan and present it at next um, November meeting for approval and discussion, or I'm not sure what, what would be the next step. I was, I was, I was supposed to bring it to a discussion um, with the, are ad hoc and then also include all of you. And I just, I, I just didn't do that. So, so I apologize for that. Thank you, member Sala. Um, member Mora, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, I'll defer to member Sala um, for this update. Um, Member Sala, in terms of support that you'd like from us, um, how how can we be helpful? Okay, so that's what I'm asking is um, we need to get approval to use, or maybe that comes an ash, maybe that goes through your channels that 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 we develop the ad hoc a proposal that we we submit to you that you get approval to get resources to be able to do this. I'm not sure what 
how what the process is for getting resources to do these this, these focus groups. Yeah, good question. Um, so use of city facilities, I think we can pretty easily make that happen at no cost. Um, I'm wondering, I mean, it's really more up to the committee if if you were to submit this request as the ad hoc versus we could just make it an action item to discuss and vote on in November. Um, either approach I, I think would work for us, but um, it's really more up to the committee, kind of the level of discussion that needs to take place. Okay, thank you. Uh, I see member Dickinson. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate uh, Member Sala following up on uh, these folks who've expressed interest in interest in in providing feedback, and I think it's critically important that we do um, follow up with them. And it, with regard to the question about when and how, um, I just I just want to make sure that we can get people convened on a timely basis and in a, in a meaningful way. And, um, and I think we're coming up on the holiday season. So probably after the first of the year is the best we can do, but we would really need and Ash, we need your guidance. We would really need to understand what, what and when we need to ask for support um, that we could get a decision that we could kick this off um, early in the new year with the with the resources that are needed, which it seems to be, if I'm hearing member Sala correctly, um, space, um, recorder, and possible possibly facilitation. Um, and and um, being able to offer some compensation oh, for the community. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess I, the reason I asked the question is because we're in October now. If we wait until November, then it's not till after our November meeting that it even gets to uh, staff for consideration and response. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think at this point, we're realistically looking at not being able to do this until the new year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, hopefully that gives us, I know Ash said that we could get access to city, um, you know, facilities. Um, the question is, is there any other spending and would that be something that the city manager's office could fund out of their own, like, and know that when there are expenditures below a certain threshold that can be decided versus asking from for money. I think it's a hundred thousand dollars or one fifty or something like that. Um, I know we're not going to be spending anywhere near that much money. So um, the real question is like, does this need to be a formal? Um, you know, I, I don't think this needs to be a formal like proposal to the council. I think this is a matter of working with staff to be able to um, set it up and plan for it, um, and then making sure that we, as your broader committee members are engaged so we can support and um, be available as needed. 
Does that sound okay, Member Sala? Yes, it does. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions or comments on this item? So, so Ash, so he, he went and said it's either the committee wants to, our, our committee wants to formalize it, request to the city manager, or we can do it through the ad hoc and do it and do a, through the ad hoc, a formal request to the city manager. All good questions. Um, I, I don't have a good answer for you. I will say I'm happy to work offline and kind of figure something out so we can bring a little more certainty to, to these questions um, at the November meeting. I, as I'm sort of thinking about it, given some of the uncertainties around ad hoc committees, it may be better to bring an item um, to the full committee for a vote in November. Um, and I think, you know, at that point, it gives the full committee ownership over it and um, potentially gives us enough time to, to get moving on, on what something might look like. Okay. That sounds good. Thank you. Okay. Um, anything else from the marketing communications ad hoc? I don't. Noel. No. No, but thank you, Marvea, for your leadership on following up with those people, as uh, Member Dickinson mentioned, because because I know the biggest consideration that the committee had with asking that question was, are we going to be able to to get back to them in a closer to timely manner? So, I also just want to say thank you, Marvea. Sorry, Member Sala. Yes. We are, we are deeply appreciative for the work that everyone's doing, especially on the ad hocs. Um, it's really, you know, the lifeblood of this, this committee. So thank you for taking on those responsibilities. The next item we have is um, the Measure You Community Advisory Committee Members Report on Investment Committee. And I know there was a meeting that happened um, recently, so are there any updates from our investment committee representatives? Do we have? I can give an update. This is Alice. Um, basically, the main item that was on discussion was uh, the analysis of investments um, through the CARES Creative Economy Recovery Grant Program for individual artists. So basically, um, the city distributed nearly 15 million um, to the creative economy through its CARES um, Creative Economy Recovery Grant Program in 2020. And so what they did was an analysis because they want to look at who is actually receiving that funding and who's actually applying for it. So some of the highlights on it um, from an individual artist perspective, we got, um, they had received 112 applicants. The majority was from white Caucasian and 84% was total recipients that received it. Um, this large portion of folks did not identify. And so when they don't identify, it's kind of hard to determine where they fall. Um, there was 59 applicants, 30 actually received um, funding. There was a total of 325 applicants. Uh, Black African-American total applicants was 52 and 41 received. Um, Hispanics was 21 with 17 receiving and multi-race, multi-ethnic was 63 at 48. One of the things they did say was that um, 
in the representation from percentages of community, Latino community was actually underrepresented. If you look at the percentage of the population in Sacramento compared to the number of applicants. And some of that could be attributed to outreach efforts that actually occurred. If you look at individual artists, um, there was 140 applicants for males and 111 received um, um, recipients received funding. 121 were female with 84 received funding, 15 were non-binary with, with 11, and then there was 49 that did not um, actually identify. Um, some of the key takeaways on this um, from um, individual artists, if you look at the large amount of receiving almost $2 million um, investment levels by race, almost 2 million was Black African-American. The next largest was 812,000 which was um, white Caucasian. And then the next level dropped down to 373. And that was multiracial from a fund overall arching um, funding perspective. Um, some of the key takeaways, and I think they can make this report available to all of us if they haven't already done so, um, we can request it. But some of the key takeaways was that um, the overall success rate for the program um, for individual artists, they deem was 71%. Um, Asian, African-American, Pacific Islanders were 7% less successful in receiving funding when compared with all applicants. Persons with a disability were 6.5 less successful. Native American applicants were 21% less successful. And females were 1.6 less successful in receiving funding as well. Um, Multi-racial, multi-ethnic, and Black African-American average awards were lower compared to all applicants. Female and non-binary average awards were lower compared to all applicants. And that's talking about, we may have had a large percentage of funding going to a particular group, but when you look at the awards given to the individuals within the, those groups, the awards were less overarching. Um, gay, lesbian, um, bisexual average awards were lower compared to all applicants. And they're looking to do a further assessment. Some of the final thoughts on that, we're really looking at what is some of the outreach efforts that were occurring? Um, how did they go about their outreach? How did they form community members of this opportunity to apply? Um, I guess the good news is at this point in time, we now have a benchmark to look at for further funding opportunities. And also we have some best practices to learn from as far as outreach concerns. So there's a bunch of other slides on there, but those were some of the key ones. Thank you so much, um, Member Perez. Uh, so given the pretty stark disparities that you just described, what is this being shared with? I know there's a new racial equity council that was established by the city. Is this being shared with them? Are there insights that the group had about how to not, you know, seemingly replicate this you know, inequitable allocation of resources? I don't know the answer to the first question. Perhaps staff can share that. I'm assuming that they are sharing it um, with that area since that is what this is really about. I think um, the best practices, what I understood from the discussion that occurred was that looking at how outreach occurred and then looking at the underrepresented areas and then how do we increase outreach to those groups in the future? So learning from what actually occurred and looking at you know potential best practices for future. Ash, I don't know if you know the answer to the first one, to the first question that she asked. Or I somebody. do not. <laughs> no, 
I'm not sure, but I'm assuming they did flow because that's the whole purpose of that group, right? And I don't know if anybody else, um, Lisa usually attends the meeting with me. So I don't know if there's anybody else on yeah, that, that attended that day. Yeah, Lisa's not, wasn't able to, to join yeah. us today. So we really appreciate that report that. Um... But I think it'd be, it'd be helpful if we can send that report out to our committee members, because I think it helps us as well understanding. This all aligns with so much of what we're talking about, overarching, you know, with everything we're doing to support budgeting, you know, the distribution of funding from all aspects, it all aligns with that. So however we can learn from this for future, I think it's helpful. Completely agree. I see um, Denise Malvetti. Oh, for Denise Malvetti with the Office of Innovation and Economic Development. I did just want to answer your question related to the presentation that um, committee member Perez was just speaking of. So the city's creative economy manager did make the same presentation to the city's racial equity ad hoc. I believe it was at their May meeting. And so um, anyone could tune in and watch the same presentation at that meeting, but we can also share the presentation deck through ASH. Thank you. I know, I know the new members were just seated, so it might be helpful to send to them as well. Um, okay. Um, are there any other questions for Member Perez? Okay, seeing none. Um, we are now moving on to our next item is um, the city manager's office report to the Measure U Community Advisory Committee. Denise, that might be you again. <laughs> it is. Chair Kofer and members, good evening. Denise Malvetti again. I just had one update that I wanted to let you all know about. Just um, uh, earlier this month, we opened for our second round of applications for the City of Festivals grant program, which you may recall the council allocated ARPA funding to fund festivals throughout the city. We, in the first round of applications, we funded 27 different festivals. And so we are now accepting applications again for festivals that will take place January through April, April of 2023. So the applications are on the website sacramentofestivals.com. There is funding allocated for each council district and we were um, successful the first round in funding applications throughout the city and um, hope to do the same for the second round. So please spread the word throughout the community that we are accepting applications through the end of October. Thank you so much. Um, and how much is the funding and what's the deadline? If you can remind me. So the deadline I believe is actually October 31st. So the last day of the month and the first round, we the total pot is 750,000. I believe we were going to break it up into four rounds. I think the first round, though, um, we funded 125,000. I don't know the exact amount that is allocated for this round, but again, total pot 750 to ideally be um, spread throughout four application rounds. Okay, and this is round two. This is round two. All right. Thank you so much, Member Gorris. Thank you, Madam Chair. So I have a quick question for Denise. Um, 
Do we have, um, do we know how many people have applied for this round so far? Or I'm sorry, for the last round. How successful were we with that? So I do know that we funded 27 different festivals. I don't off the top of my head know the total application number, but I could certainly ask the team and get that number for you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, any other updates from the um, city manager's office? Or questions for the city manager's office? Okay, I see Member Mora. I just have one quick question. I know this has come up in in some neighborhood groups that I'm part of. So just to clarify, with the um, the City of Grants Festival, City of Arts Festival grant, the um, is are there geographic uh, you know parameters to the grant? So these are for festivals that are hosted citywide. There is a program um, that's been going on for a number, number of years, which is limited to a um, very defined area of the central city that's funded through parking. Um, but this program is for the entire city. And again, the goal is to fund um, festivals throughout the city. So the pot of money is divided by council district to really encourage festivals throughout the city. So again, we hope that you all help spread the word throughout the community. And just one more question to, um, to fully understand so I can report back to, um, again, some smaller you know, neighborhood groups. I know one thing that, one big question that has come up is if the, um, the group that's applying has to, um, you know, are they spending, making all of the expenses and then getting reimbursed for those expenses? I think there, there was some grant that, um, you know, for lack of a better word, deterred some smaller groups from applying uh, because they just couldn't front the costs um, you know, themselves up front and then get reimbursed. I just, since you're here, I just figured I'd ask so that I can have a definitive, you know, understanding of the grant. So the city standard is to do reimbursement grants, but again, I can make sure to get you um, the exact terms of this grant program, but I do believe it is a reimbursement grant. Super helpful. Any other questions about this? Okay, um, if not, then we move on to the next item on the agenda, which is committee member comments, ideas, and questions. Are there any um, members who would like to share anything with us? I did have a question, uh, Chair Hofer, sure. um, about the participatory budgeting outreach that we're doing. Um, mm -hmm. Is there at all or has there been a coordinated effort to meet with different uh, neighborhood associations? I know they're a good way to get the information out um, or, or anything of that nature uh, coordinated within the ad hoc committee. I know I'm joining a little later. Um, I can take a stab at answering that. Ash, if I've missed a few things, you can back me up. Um, so we have six community-based organizations that are leading the outreach. And so they each have different strategies. I'm Some of them have included that. Um, there's also been um, 
you know, from the city level, they've been sending out information to those neighborhood associations and things like that as well. I don't necessarily know each individual organization's strategy piece um, to go more into detail um, that way, but um, I do know that those are the folks who have been um, earmarked to do outreach, but then we've also asked, you know, all the folks on our committee to do outreach and other organizations that we know. So we've been doing um, as much soliciting as possible for other folks to help spread the word as well. And um, as Ash mentioned earlier, there's a, you know, the website has a lot of the information. So we've been pointing people that direction as well. But um, those organizations and I'm, I'm assuming, hope I'm not assuming wrong because I know what happens when you assume, but that a lot of those organizations, because they are groups like Sacramento Act and things like that, who actually do outreach and organizing that way, are using a lot of those same tactics as they're presenting um, the information and doing outreach for voting as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Any other committee member comments, ideas, and questions? Okay, um, well, I have a few. I wanted to first and foremost say a belated welcome to our newest member, uh, Cooney. Um, I have failed to do that when we were saying goodbye to member Luhan at the last uh, meeting. Um, and then we just jumped right into the agenda. And so I just wanted to formally welcome uh, member Cooney to our Measure U committee. Uh, we are excited about having you and really looking forward to working with you in this capacity. Um, I also just wanted to follow up on something that um, the city clerk mentioned earlier today, um, and just as a reminder that it, um, it is an even numbered year. Um, and so for most of us, that means that a good number of members um, terms will be expiring in December. Um, that includes all the odd, anybody appointed by an odd number district. So that's member Prey, member Sala, um, myself, as well as Vice Chair Williams, as well as member Cresswell, member Perez, and member Mora. So if you do, um, everyone who is on our, co our committee currently is eligible to reapply if you are interested um, in continuing your service. Um, the new rules go into effect um, of allowing two terms um, and everyone here I believe has served one or one and a small partial because of when we were appointed. Um, so you would be eligible to be able to serve again. So if you are interested in doing so, I would suggest now that we are in October, please getting your applications um, in so that um, if your council member is turning over, they have an opportunity to be able to review your application and consider keeping you on. Um, as I mentioned before, I do not intend to apply again. So I will be uh, leaving the committee at the end of the term whenever whoever is um, uh, elected to District 5 um, assumes the, the chair and then um, appoints someone else. I will serve through the transition um, so that we don't have a vacancy and don't run into serious quorum issues. Um, and so um, because of that, I have served as your chair since this body was created. Um, and I'm really interested in being able to ease that transition as well. I'll certainly be available as um, an active member of the community uh, moving forward, but also um, wanting to be able to help to transition anyone who may be interested in being a chair or vice chair um, to doing so. So if you are interested, um, please reach out to me. Please, um, you know, let me know if if that's something that you're interested in, um, because I really want to make sure that this transition is as smooth as possible. Um, and then um, just uh, lastly, I mentioned um, already that we have um, shared some correspondence with the mayor and 
with the city manager around um, the expiration date for our ad hocs. Um, we're trying to figure out how we are going to move this forward. And so um, I hopefully will have some update, at least on when that will be uh, agendized, maybe at our next meeting, um, if I hear back. Um, our, our correspondence just started earlier today, so um, they are not delinquent in their response time. Um, they may not have even gotten to it, depending on what their day looked like. Um, but I did want to flag it for them early, and I'm just really appreciative of this committee for being um, able to allow us to be so proactive and really trying to figure this out and not have our work interrupted. So I am immensely grateful for all of you. Um, thank you to Vice Chair Williams for uh, taking over chairing the meeting um, last month when I stepped out. Um, I think I shared with some of you that I was taking a stand-up comedy class at the Comedy Spot. Um, it was a four-week class. And uh, so class began at seven and we just had our graduation showcase. And a big thank you um, uh, to member Kibble for coming to my grad showcase. Um, and thankfully I didn't bomb and embarrass myself in front of everyone, but I just really appreciate it. I think it was the first meeting that I have not attended for Measure You all the way through, um, uh, but it was really nice to just be able to do something wonderful and fun for myself. So if you have a chance to take a class um, and be part of an adult education class in something that you've always wanted to do, do it. Uh, I like to remind people you don't have to be great at everything you try, but it's nice to activate that part of our brain that we used to when we were kids and just try something new. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and I just really appreciate all of your support and you all being such a wonderful, uh, you know, committee to work with. This has really been a pleasure. Um, and I am really excited about being able to hand the baton off. I know these races um, are not run only by, you know, one group of people. And so um, if you are thinking about cycling off um, and because your term is coming up, please let us know just so that they can start to recruit for those positions. Um, so that again, those who will be remaining are not running into quorum issues. And those are all of my um, comments. Uh, are there any other committee member comments before we go to public comment? Member Sala. You're on mute. Thank you for your thoughts. And um, you sound like you're not gonna be around for, you're still gonna be here with us for a few more months, so. Yes, absolutely. Good. And <laughs> All, all of us are intimidated by the thought of, of chairing this committee behind you. You've, you've done a fabulous job and uh, you've been such an advocate and so articulate and you represent us well. So, but anyway, um, I, I, am, I am interested in, in continuing because I feel like I'm just getting, I'm getting in the zone. <laughs> It takes almost a whole year, a year and a half to, to really understand things. And I, I, barely, I feel like I'm barely getting a grip on things. And, and, and as a result, I feel like I'm, I'm more effective. So I don't want to leave with, with this knowledge. So how do, where do I go? How do I begin this process to get my application in? And, and so my council person will be will be gone December 7th, I think. So how do I do that? That's a great question. Um, I believe you can submit your application similar to the way that you did when you applied. Um, and then once the election is um, complete in December, all of the applications um, will be shared with whoever the winner is because you're in um, District 3. Um, okay. 
And so then they will have the ability to be able to appoint. That's why our, our, um, our uh, terms end in even numbered years so that half of us cycle off in, you know, one set of even numbered years and the other half cycle off in the um, other set of even numbered years. So you don't lose everyone all at once. Uh, okay. Okay. I will. I will do that. And then I do want to make a quick announcement. Please. Um, so member Mora, if you all don't know, he is running for Natomas um, school district board. And so I just want to congratulate him for the courage to step up and do that. It's a lot of work. It's not an easy thing to do. And, and he has stepped up and I'm hoping that he wins. So I just wanted you all to know that. I'm sorry, member Nora, I know I'm embarrassing you. <laughs> Thank you. I see member Perez. I too am um, cycling off as well. I will not be submitting an application um, to extend my service. Um, it's been a great opportunity to serve with many of you. Um, I believe that overarching, um, there was a huge learning curve for us, but I do believe that we've actually been able to implement a lot of processes so that the folks that are continuing on have that foundation um, to continue to lead this effort. Thank you so much for your service, Member Perez. We're going to have to have a going away party for us, <laughs> especially, you know, having some of the founding members of this committee who are going to be cycling off this time. Maybe you can do a stand-up comedy for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could, or I could just play the video so I don't have to do it. <laughs> Vice Chair Williams. I'm with Marbella on that. I think a show is in order. Uh, <laughs> um, I hate to say this because I too am actually going to be cycling off. Um, I actually just let my council person know the other day. Um, we'll definitely stay through um, as long as he needs me to while he finds someone to um, step into the role uh, as well. But um, it's not definitely not by design. I would love to stay on. Just some things have changed personally for me, so I have to take care of take care of me. So, um, but it has been a, an honor to be a part of this group, and um, I will be definitely paying close attention um, as we move forward and still participating in any way I can um, moving forward as well. So. Uh, just want to let folks know that. So the vice chair seat is open. So if you're scared of the chair seat now, you can take the vice chair seat and get yourself some practice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so be thinking about that too. Yes. <laughs> it has been a pleasure to serve with uh, with all of you. And so now we definitely are going to have to have a, a going away party of some sort. So um We'll do it after the holidays because I know they won't have anybody appointed <laughs> before then. So I will not stress anybody out with trying to find a date before the holidays. But we'll do something in the early, in the first quarter of 2023, um, because I think it's important to celebrate transitions. And we had so many of those that were interrupted during the pandemic. So um, it'll be nice to be able to do something that's a little more normal in the passing of the torch um, and, and to create some excitement around what comes. I know people leaving can kind of be a sad moment, um, but it also gives a great opportunity to infuse this group with new people, um, new ideas, um, and to be able to run the next leg. So uh, I'm really excited about it for, for all of you and look forward to being on the other side of the Zoom and raising my hand for public comment and being given a couple minutes to share my piece. Uh, <laughs> so uh, with that, I don't see any other member comments, so we'll go to public comment. I think we have one. Will the clerk please engage our public commenters? 
Thank you, Chair. I do see one hand raised from Mr. Lambert. I'm giving you the ability to speak right now. Yes, this is Lambert Davis, and I, I want to make sure I had my hand up for about for a while, but that's that's not important. But what I wanted to say, and I hope I'm not interrupted, what I first want to say is uh, to Chairman Cooper, remember, as a person who just blew out 64 candles last month, your health is the most important part of your life, no matter what. So that's my wisdom to you. Now, to this city, to this meeting today, I heard a lot of disturbing things down the stretch about, you know, blacks are at the bottom and and uh, it's very difficult for us to get access to capital and these sort of things. Uh, L.A. City Council is not the only one who has problems. That's not unique what's going on there. It's going on all over California. As a matter of fact, uh, it's I consider it rampant at City Hall. I'm one of the few people in this city that's bold enough to say it and uh, believe it to my core. Whenever I hear African American and black in the same paragraph, my first question is, what's the difference? What is the difference between an African-American and a black person? Okay, so as a person who's been on this earth six-plus decades, you know, if you can't answer that, then just call us one or the other, but not both, because that shows to me an insult to someone who's very alert to what the difference is. The final thing I want to say is there is someone in City Hall that I've been studying that's starting to show equity, diversity, and inclusion, and it's Megan in the creative arts. You should study how she does things. Uh, another lady, Melissa, uh, I don't even benefit from arts, but I'll tell you one thing, a lot of uh, very wealthy uh, associations in Sacramento they don't get grants where they have to be reimbursed. I never heard of a grant being given after you are reimbursed. You, you, you put your money out, and then that that's a way to eliminate people who have never participated in that program. And by the way, District 2 is has 22 associations. That's the most gerrymandered district I've ever studied. And I have a tremendous millennial following behind me, and they're going to study the rest of the districts in Sacramento and find out how many communities they have, because that is tremendous gerrymandering, which leads to restrictive covenants and redlining. And like I said, my family's been here since 1946. We know Sacramento. Thank you for your comment. If you can please finalize your comment. Uh, God bless you, uh, Mrs. Colfer. Thank you for your comment. Chair, I do have one last speaker with their hand raised. Um, it is Mr. Barry Boyd. I am giving you the ability to speak right now. Just making sure everyone can hear me. 
can. Thank you very much. Um, wow. A reimbursement grant that most assuredly helps poor people. Moving forward, um, my comment is I too would am looking forward to stand up Dr. Kofer's next performance. And I will uh, hopefully will not be sick. I won't be there. But uh, uh, I will be in attendance at one of her upcoming shows. My statement, not statement, my, um, my comment is I'm extending an invitation to this committee, the Measure You Committee, and to all those listening to you are welcome to join us virtually this Wednesday, October 19th at 6.30 p.m. for, this, for the MetaView Neighborhood Association. I'm sorry, my voice is really bad. Again, the MetaView Neighborhood Association's monthly meeting. Our confirmed agenda guests are Captain Dan Monk, Chief Peter Lamos of Code Enforcement, Jose Mendez of Code Enforcement, Herman Barona, of Sacramento Environmental Justice Coalition. Oh, this is killing me. And Assembly District 9 candidate, Stephanie Wynn. Again, the virtual meeting starts at 6.30 p.m. this Wednesday, October 19th. You can go to sacramentomna.org. It will bring you to the homepage and you will see at the top banner to click on the banner and it will have, show you the agenda. Come back to the homepage. It'll walk you through the process of how to seek your invitation. Sacramento, M is in Mary, N is in Nancy, A is in Apple. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Chair, I do not have any other speakers with their hands raised for matters not on the agenda. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I believe that brings us to the end of our agenda today. Thank you so much for your participation and the meeting is officially adjourned. Okay.